Morning again. You know, the first time I ever got asked to do this, I thought, there's no way I'm good enough to do this. And it dawned on me, there's no way I ever will be good enough to do this. It is only through God that anybody can stand up here and give you His Word. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we come to You to give You praise, to honor You, to honor You as the, the only God, the great Almighty God. Father, we realize that it is only in Your power that we are able to honor You. It's only through Your power that we can give You proper praise. So, Father, I ask that you'd be here this morning, that you'd bless this morning, that the words that come out of my mouth will be from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we'll be going from Malachi 1.6 through 2.9. And I'll read it real quick. It says, As the son honors his father and his servant his master, if then, if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Pre present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favors, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be, burnt, will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take to heart to give to honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts, 
My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me, and he stood in awe in my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprighteousness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way, and you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. And you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instructions. It's quite an indictment. So going back to verse 6, he says, As a son honors his father and a servant his ma and a servant his master, if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. So understand, he's talking straight to the priests here. He's also talking to the, the Israelites. And these folks have, who are supposed to be honoring God in everything they do, specifically we're talking about offerings on the altar here, they've kind of started holding it in contempt in their minds. They, they give each other honor. They'll honor themselves. They'll elevate themselves above anybody that they can try to do. Hey, you know, look at me. I'm a priest. But what they were doing was blaspheming God in the manner in which they dealt with the sacrifices. They dealt with the, uh, his altar. And I was thinking about this as I was reading that. And I thought, you know, this is kind of convicting. Because as a Christian, somebody that claims to be a Christian, claims to follow God, do I really? Do we really? Do we honor God with what we do? Do we honor God in the manner that we approach Him? Do we honor Him with how we use His name? Or do we have Him in contempt in our minds? Do we just kind of, you know, it's just a thing. How do, we, how do we deal with that? Do we hold God in an honorable place in our life? Or do we get to God when we have time? Do we, do we just, you know, hey, get out of the way for right now. I've got this. And I'll... I'll, I'll talk to you later. Is that how we treat God? Do we? Because that's contempt. That is utter disdain. That's what they're guilty of here. This is what they've been doing. And they were given a charge in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Um, he says, And now Israel, 
What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul? Were they doing that? Now they're, they're, getting, they're getting ready to go into captivity because of some things that they've done, that they haven't done. They have not done a thing that they're supposed to do. Do we serve God with everything we have? Do we serve him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind? Do I give God everything I've got to give? Or again, do I just get back to him when I have time? See, God doesn't just want me when it's convenient. He didn't want them when it was convenient. He wanted everything from them all the time. And, he want, and in doing that, they would honor him. They would give him the honor that he deserves. But they weren't doing this. Everything they did was for personal gain. Everything they did was, yeah, we'll, we'll get to God when we have time. Back to verse 6, he says, But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Everything they did corrupted the sacrifices. They had a game. I mean, they, they made a mockery of it. So a person would bring whatever they were going to offer to the temple. Lamb, bird, goat, whatever they were going to offer. And the priests, they would have somebody out there that would inspect that for you. Make sure it's perfect so you can offer it. And they'd always find a blemish. Yeah, you can't offer this one. It's not perfect. But hey, <laughs> we've got one that's perfect and we'll sell it to you. And now you can go offer that. And then the next person that comes up would do the same thing and they'd sell them the one they just told you wasn't any good. Is that honoring God? That's making a mockery of God. That is, I can think of another way to blaspheme his name. I mean, there's not a whole lot more that you could do that's even worse than that. These are the priests doing this. So if the priests are doing this, it's going to get seen. People are going to see what's going on. So what does that tell them? And it tells them, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if I hold God in contempt. They do it. They're getting away with it. So I can do whatever I want. And this is the, this is the direction that these priests were leading Israel. When we look at our own lives, you ask yourself, you know, how have I used my Christianness to gain favor with other people? Have I done that? Have I tried to tell somebody, hey, you trust me, I'm a Christian. You know, have we, have we played those games? Have we tried to tell somebody, hey, you know, let me into your group, into your social circle, because I'm a Christian and I'm somebody you can trust. Do we, do we ever use that to try to get someplace? I worked for a guy one time that would tell me, and he would, he, 
Tom, he was a Christian. Great guy. And he was in an important position in socially. And he was notorious for trying to get people to do things that weren't quite right. And when you'd call him on it, he'd say, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. It's for a higher purpose. And what does that say? What does that say about God? What does that say to people around him that are watching? What did he just say about God to them? You know, if we go to Romans chapter 24, Paul's talking about this. And Paul's talking about how everything we do, if we do it wrong, is blaspheming God's name to the people around us that are watching. In fact, he's, called, he's, he's admonishing the Jewish people at the time who are claiming to abide by the law, but in every way they're breaking the law. And he's saying, because of your actions, you're blaspheming God's name to the nations around us. Are we guilty of that? Have I, you know, because if I'm guilty of it, I'm no different than what these priests are right now. These priests that are playing games with God's altar, with God's sacrifices, sounds pretty darn bad, doesn't it? I'd hate to be in their shoes. But guess what? I bet you there's not a one of us in this room that can't say at least at one time we've done it. And that makes it just as guilty as they were with the way that they were handling God's altar. Verse 8 says, When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he might be gracious to you. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Though that there were one among you who would shut the door, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name will be great amongst the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. So let's put this in our terms. I'll give you a great idea. Go find somebody that has something you really want or you really need. Somebody that maybe has a higher position, social position than you. Invite them over to your house for dinner. Bring them over. You're going to wine them and dine them. Try to, try to get what, you, what you're hoping to get from them. But for dinner, offer them some spoiled meat. Give them some rotted vegetables and some spoiled milk or a bottle of wine from a soured bottle to wash it down. And after you've done that, then ask them for what you want. Let's see how you get it. Let's see how that works out for you. That's what we're doing. That's what they're doing. They're treating God's, they're claiming to serve God. They're claiming to represent God. 
but with these sacrifices that they are offering, they're, they're giving God the cast-offs and then asking God for blessing. It don't work that way. That's not what God, that's not what God commanded. God told them how to offer their sacrifices, what animals to offer, when to offer, exactly how to do it in the condition the animals should be in. This was a serious thing. See, for sin, something's got to die. And it takes a blood offering to cover that sin. That's how serious this was. And this is what God was trying to get across to him when he gave him the Levitical law and he was explaining how these sacrifices were to work. And they made a joke about it. They, they made a mockery of it. They used it. They were stealing from God is what they were doing. Think about that. If you're going to go steal from somebody, I think God would be the last person I want to steal from. But that's what they were doing. And if you're going to get in trouble here, if you get caught stealing, what are the repercussions of you getting caught stealing from God? What are those repercussions? And then something else to point out here in verse 11. This is a prophetic verse. He says, my name will be great among the nations. This is a, a uh, prophecy of the spiritual priesthood that was going to be brought in as the Gentiles were brought in. And as their eyes would be opened, it is God's mercy and grace would be extended to the whole world. That's what verse 11 is here. They're in trouble. They didn't do anything God told them to do. And now God's getting ready to not only punish them, but as Paul says in Romans, don't get too cocky about that because it was their unbelief that opened the door for us in God's plan. But as God is taking these priests in Malachi's time to task for what they're doing, there's something we as Christians need to remember. In 1 Peter uh, uh, 2.9, you know, we're told that you're called into a royal priesthood. This is that spiritual priesthood that verse 11 is prophetic of. And you don't have to be a preacher or a teacher to be held to this standard. All you have to do is be a Christian who professes Christ to people around you. And you will be held to this standard. Because as a believer, you've been called into a priesthood. You've been called to share God with people around you. And you've been told how to do it. Careful how you do it. You better be doing it the way God says to do it. You better not be blaspheming, blaspheming his name just because you think it's a cool thing to call yourself a Christian. You'll pay for that just as they're paying for it. Verse 13, he says, But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. 
says the Lord of hosts. Well, that was kind of an interesting phrase there. So I kind of looked that up. King James uses the word snuffed. It says you snuff at it. And it's a metaphor taken from raising cattle. So a cow would go up to some feed that was offered to it and it would kind of blow at it and walk away from it. Give, you know, show it contempt. But from that point on, none of the other cattle will eat that. They'll all walk away from it. So when, you, when he says, you know, you, you look at this as a, and you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. So what he's saying is, you're like, I don't want to deal with this. This is, this is, this is too troublesome. And you do it in such a way that causes everybody else to no longer want to do it. So you've snorted at it, you've snuffed at it, and now the rest of the cows are going to go someplace else. Do you want to be guilty of that? I, sh I don't. I don't want to be guilty of that. And these priests have led a nation, God's people, astray and are wrong, down the wrong path. Think about for a minute, we can all think of one in our minds, Think of some of these TV evangelists, these pastors that have a large following of people. And they're preaching a name and claim it philosophy. They're, you're lucky if they crack the Bible open for a minute. And they're leading thousands of people in their own direction. That's somebody I, I don't want to be. They're going to pay for that. There's a time coming. Scripture tells us you're going to be held accountable for everything you know and how you used it. And if you are in a position of being a preacher or a teacher or somebody that has said, I'll step up and do a little more, maybe you're going to be held responsible for more. And that's, what the, that's, that's where they're at. It's not a, that's not a place I want to be. Imagine knowing you're a sinner, knowing the cost of your sins. And you have an animal that's going to die for your sin. And that sacrifice is being handled unworthily, either by the priest or by you or by both. Imagine the contempt that that shows for God. In a little while after service is over here, we're going to go to the Lord's table. And we do this every Sunday. How do we view the elements? How do we view going to the Lord's table? Because you know what? You're going to the altar when you take the elements. Christ was your sacrifice. It was his blood that was spilt on that altar for your sins, my sin. How do I treat that? 
Do I approach that altar and take those elements with contempt inside my heart? When I lead, or Jeff leads, or somebody else leads us in the Lord's table, we have to be very careful never to do it in an unworthy manner. Never to do it with any kind of a mocking side to what we're doing and what we're saying. This should never be a repetitious thing that we go, oh, <laughs> it's Sunday. We're going to go to church again. I got to take the elements. If that's the way you feel, stay home. Don't come. Because you're mocking God when you do that. When you walk through this door and you come in here, if you're doing it because of some burdened obligation that you feel, don't come. Stay home. You, sh you should be doing this because you get to do it. You get to go to church on Sunday morning. You get to come to the Lord's table. There's people out there that don't get to do this, that would love to be doing this. I read an article this, this week, and it was uh, from Open Doors. It's a Christian organization based in the UK. In this article, they were talking about 33 North Korean believers. And they would meet in private, you know, in secrecy. They can't do this. They cannot come out here in public and worship God. So they'd meet in private, secretly. Well, somehow uh, they got found out. And so the authorities went in and they found them and they uh, promptly executed them. But it didn't stop there. They went and rounded up their families, approximately 100 people. And these people now are in a government camp. I got to think in terms of an internment camp. And these people are there, and they're going to be worked and starved until they die. What do you think those people would do if all of a sudden they were told, you can go to church on Sunday morning. And while you're there, you can go to the altar in remembrance of Christ and what he did. And you can not only do it publicly, but you can do it with like-minded believers, brothers and sisters beside you. You think they would wake up on Sunday morning and go, huh? And I said, I'm going to go to church again. You think they'd do that? That's what we're, you know, unfortunately, in the Western church, that's kind of where we are today. We don't put Christ, we don't put God first in our lives. We don't put God above everything. And look around you, you're seeing the price we're paying for it. Is this country's getting turned upside down? That's what's happening here. That's what happened to them. And, but this was the punishment for what they had done. What is your attitude when you come to church in the morning? What is your attitude 
when you take the elements? And what is your attitude when you tell someone, I'm a believer, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that what he did that day for me saved me from hell. And that hell is just as real as heaven. Is that the attitude I have? Or do I, yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, yeah, whatever that means. Is that how I treat it? I hope not. I hope I'm never guilty of that. I accept I know that I am. I know I've done it. So before I go getting too fast to beat these folks up, I have to understand I'm just as guilty as they are because I've done this before in my life. Psalms 102 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. That's where we should be. That's the attitude we should have when we come before our God. When we walk through these doors on Sunday morning and we come in here, it's no different than the priest standing there at the altar taking the next person's sacrifice to be offered for sin. When we come here, we are giving an offering to our God. We're giving Him ourselves. We're giving Him our time. We're coming in here to worship Him. And it needs to be done with a glad heart. Not because you're forced to do it or you're trying to get something out of it. Back to 13. It says, You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. That attitude that we bring. Do we bring an acceptable attitude to our God? They weren't. They weren't. The corruptness that, that had permeated the priesthood at that time, there was nothing acceptable about what they were doing. I'm sure there was the, the, you know, God always has the one. God always has that remnant that serves him. And I'm sure that was that group there. But for the most part, talking as a whole, they had corrupted the priesthood. And in doing so, they were corrupting the people. And again, he talks about if you have this male in your flock, you've sworn to give it and you give something else. You're stealing. You're stealing from God. And you're calling, this person's calling a curse on themselves. When we go to the Lord's table, typically I'll read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24. But you go down a little further to verse 27, 27 through 30. And it warns you about taking it with a wrong heart. It tells you that's why many are ill and many have fallen asleep, meaning died. When we go to the Lord's table or the altar, it's our heart. You better be, it needs to be in the right spot. It needs to be in the right place. 
He tells you, he says, if you've got an issue with a brother, don't take it. Go settle the issue first, then come back. So that when you come before the Lord, your heart is right. And you're taking it in a manner that is worthy. What they were doing at the altar was not worthy. And it was not acceptable. And again, this is a life that's being taken in place of your life. Sin requires death. To make a mockery out of that, I, that, that should scare you. A person should be afraid. If you're a believer, that should scare you. That should be some, the last thing that you would ever want to do. Psalms 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name and worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Do I give God the glory He deserves? Were they? Were they given God? No. There's no way they were. But I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of getting to God when I've got some time. I'm guilty of not speaking up when I know I should have. I'm guilty of just of turning my back on God. Praise God that He's a forgiving God. That when I repent and I go back to Him, that He is sure to forgive. But you see, their place, their mind at this time wouldn't allow them to repent. And they blatantly were doing what they were doing. Chapter 2, he says, And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, and if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Growing up as a kid, or maybe as a parent speaking to your children, how many times have you ever heard the phrase, you better start listening? Unfortunately, I heard that a lot. Uh, but usually what happened after that? If you didn't start listening, you usually got in trouble. Sometimes a little worse than others. I, I remember my mom one time doubling her fist up and punching me in the mouth. <laughs> and she was not real big. <laughs> but I was being a knucklehead. And I wasn't listening. And I just kept doing what I wanted to do over and over and over. And it got me. And God's saying, listen up. You better turn. He's trying to turn them. Listen up. Because you're bringing a curse on yourself with the way you're handling my altar. The way you're handling the sacrifices that are brought to me. You're bringing a curse on yourself. See, that's the interesting thing here. 
God's not going after them. They're doing it themselves. They're bringing the curse on themselves. But all they had to do was listen. All they had to do was turn around and ask forgiveness. A 180 and go the other direction. That was all they had to do. And when he says there in uh, verse 4 that my covenant with Levi may stand, Levi, the tribe, was called out to serve God in a special way because of their zealousness, zealousness for him in the early days. And so they became the priesthood. They served the priest. They worked in the temples. In fact, they weren't even given land in the promised land. You know, as far as every tribe was given so much land as an inheritance. The Levites were given a city, a couple cities here or there within each tribe's inheritance because their job was to minister to Israel, minister to their brothers. And it, they made a mess of that. Verse 5, he says, My covenant with him was one of life and peace that I gave to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So we back up and go to Exodus 32. We're all familiar with it, the golden calf. Moses comes down. All the people are worshiping this golden calf. He looks at Aaron and says, what would you do? And he goes, oh, well, we didn't know what to do. You didn't come back. So, you know, they gave me their gold. I threw it in the fire and his calf jumped out. Okay. So what did Moses do? He, he stood back and he said, all that are of the Lord's stand with me. And it says, all the men of Levi came and stood with him. As he said, put your swords on and go take care of your brothers that have wronged God. And they did. And because of that, God set them apart as, and gave them a special assignment. As time goes on, Israelites are wandering around out there still. And they start serving the Baals. This is, you know, the Amalekites. They're in, they're in that area. And it says that all the sons and daughters of Israel had started intermingling with these people and started worshiping their gods. And so Moses, again, calls the priests together. They, they say, go get the chiefs of every one of these tribes and hang them right now. And they do it in front of everybody. This is in Numbers 25. And so they hang them in front of everybody. Well, while they're doing it, because there's a plague that's going to go through Israel because of this. At the time while they're doing this, here comes old Zimri, and he's got a gal with him, Cosby. 
she's an Amalekite, and they come walking right through in front of everybody and they go to his tent. Well, we see that Phineas grabs a spear, runs in there and runs them both through. And then God says, because of that, because of that act, because of that zealousness, in the verses 12 and 13 and 24, or of 25, he says, Therefore say, Behold, I give to him, my Phineas, he says, I give to him my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God, and he made atonement for the people of Israel. His act that Phineas did secured a birthright for his offspring. The decisions that you and I make will have a direct effect on our children. A lot of people don't like to think about that. But right or wrong, if I make a good decision or I make a bad decision, there is a very good chance the repercussions of that decision is going to affect my children. And you look at a lot of children that have to grow up in some pretty rough circumstances. And some of us grew up in some varying circumstances. A lot of that was directly due to decisions made by our parents and made by their parents. Phineas's zealousness here was good for his descendants. But now we're seeing God saying, I'm not going to honor that because they're not honoring me. They turned their back on everything the priesthood was supposed to stand for when they started dishonoring the altar and they started to dishonor the sacrifices. It says there in verse 7 that the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. People should be able to go to them and learn. They should be able to go to them and get instruction, spiritual instruction, life instruction. What does Scripture say about this in my life? Or at least, what indication does Scripture give me on how to live in this particular instance? A pastor today, a teacher today, is just as serious as it was with the priests. They are to guard God's word. They are not to add to it. They're not to take away from it. They're to give exactly what God says in his word. And if the persons hearing it don't like it, that's between them and God. The pastor is called, or the teacher is called to give God's word, period. But they weren't doing this. They were telling people what they wanted to hear so that they could continue to enrich themselves and continue to elevate themselves above their brothers. It's not a good place to be if you're a believer. 
verse 8, he says, But you have turned aside from the way, and you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Again, they were supposed to be able to go to the priests to seek advice, to seek counsel, to seek instruction. What they got was mostly a bunch of baloney that these priests were giving them because, well, let's make them feel good so that when they come up here and they put their couple of coins in the box, they might add an extra one. And then, you know, we can high-grade debt off to ourselves. Sound familiar, huh? We see that in the church today. You see churches where pastors, they're not going to tell you you're a sinner and you deserve to go to hell. And I can tell you that. But guess what? Every one of us in this room deserve hell. But by the grace of God, we're not going there. Because God sacrificed His Son for you and me. Without that sacrifice, hell's where we're going. There's either one or the other. It's cut and dry. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. Period. It's all up to you on the decisions you make. Did God call you and are you going to answer that call? Because otherwise, hell, hell's real. And in that partiality thing, they were notorious for entertaining the folks that had wealth, that had something that they could get from them. But if you were a widow, an orphan, somebody that was destitute, somebody that didn't have anything to give to them, they don't want nothing to do with you. In fact, they might do things to try to get rid of you. They were doing things to take each other's inheritance away from each other. This inheritance that was given to each tribe throughout the land was a perpetual inheritance. They were never to lose that. And on the year of Jubilee, if somebody had sold the property for a debt, that property was to go back to that person. That way that that property, that inheritance always stayed with that family. But they were devising ways to steal it, get it away from you. And trust me, you didn't get it back. So they were stealing from their brothers. They were stealing from God. They had corrupted everything about the sacrificial system that God had put in place. As we get ready to close out, keep that in mind. Because Jeff's going to come up in a few moments and we're going to do the Lord, we're going to go to the Lord's table. And I want you to think in terms of you're going to the altar. And this is a blood sacrifice upon an altar for you, for your sins.
Just take a moment of silence and, and reflect on that, please.